if they have this on. You're okay. Yeah. For the recording session, so I think it makes it a little easier for that. Uh, so, I am a uh, recovering middle school teacher, and uh, um, it's like recovering alcoholic, you never actually get there. Um, but uh, no, I love my time uh, working in the middle school. I just found that I loved uh, combining the technology uh, and teaching and learning uh, even more. And um, so I spent about 15 years as director of technology at Mount Christian School with some of these uh, guys up front here. And um, we had a good time together. And then uh, about six years ago, I started my own company. One of the things that we did was we hosted lots of visits. We had lots of schools that wanted to come and see what we were doing because at the time, uh, when we started in 2005, there were very few schools that were putting devices in the hands of every student. And so um, it was quite a new phenomenon uh, at the time. And um, so we had lots of schools that wanted to come and visit. And that was one of the favorite parts of my job was uh, going around with these teachers, uh, administrators, showing them classrooms, showing them things that we were doing, showing them how teaching and learning was changing in the classroom. And um, so um, I found myself enjoying more of that than some of the other administrative things that I was doing. And I thought it might be kind of interesting to explore uh, doing that full time. So that's what I do. I work with schools um, all the way from the big 30,000 foot view, taking from you know where are we today, trying to do evaluation, um, kind of get a, get a baseline, and then help schools move forward uh, in the use of technology. And so I have a, a number of schools that I work with on a regular basis. I have other schools that I work with just on individual projects. Um, if you're familiar with the E-Ray program, I'm involved in that. So I do infrastructure like wiring and wireless and things like that. I'm involved in the hardware side of things as well. So I, I kind of dabble in a lot of things, um, and uh, that keeps it interesting uh, for me. Um, how many, um, I recognize quite a few people in here, but uh, how many folks are in a building where uh, every student has their own device? Okay, so that's the vast majority of you. Um, for those of you that don't, if you're willing to say, what's your situation as far as student to technology access? About one to two. Yeah. About one to two. Okay. Anybody else that didn't raise their hand? We're a um, preschool through eight campus, um, and we have a computer lab. And then we have a number of Chromebook cards, mm -hmm. and so I teach in middle school, and I believe there are enough Chromebooks for all of the students um, in middle school. Okay. And then the elementary, a lot of them use um, iPads. Okay. Mm -hmm. Access to it when they don't have their own personal. Okay. Okay. And <clears throat> for, um, for those of you that said that everyone has their own um, device, uh, in your situation, um, how many of you, for how many of you do uh, all of those students take them home, or is it only some grades? Some, some grades? Mostly high school, middle school, take them home, elementary, maybe middle school, leave, leave the devices, stay at school. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty typical. Uh, uh, let's just see a, a show of hands. How many have been... Um, in that situation um, for um, more than three years? More than five years? More than 10 years? Okay, so uh, you can see it's a rather rapid um, change that's happened over the last probably five, six, seven years. Um, and um, in some of those situations, may have started out with the carts, and we had enough devices, and then we started moving from there to saying, okay, well, you know, if we only had another X number of devices, we could every kid could have a device, um, and we wouldn't have to manage these crazy carts and um, let the let the, the uh, student uh, take a little more ownership of it. Um, one of the things that, and I don't want to be, uh, this isn't meant to be a, a, a downer session, because that is sort of the question is, you know, we've spent, um, as, a, as a country and as schools, you know, billions of dollars on educational technology. Um, 
And if you if you think about school and how school's done, um, a lot of the time it looks very very similar to more than 20 years ago. It it really hasn't changed a lot um, in terms of how teaching and learning takes place. And um, Let's see if we can get our slides to move. So, why, why do, yeah, that was the first one-to-one -one typewriter program. <laughs> do you know that was one of the first uh, long-distance learning classes that there ever was, was, was uh, secretarial school? You could send away, you would buy the typewriter, and you'd send away, you'd do the distance learning, um, and send your stuff back and forth. Um, it pays to watch like British television, things like that, and Abby to learn things like that. Um, but wh wh why do we exist? What's our purpose? Why, why do schools exist? Educate kids, okay? But in a, to do what? To think for themselves. To learn how to think. To learn how to think, okay? Uh, what else? What else are we trying to get them to do? Prepare for the future. Prepare for the future. What's the future look like? We don't know. <laughs> we don't have a clue, do we? Right? Things are changing so fast. And so um, all, those, all those wars we had a long time ago about which device and those kinds of things um, have kind of gone to the wayside because the things that are changing so quickly in technology that, you know, if you say, well, we got to learn X, Y, Z in second grade because, you know, when they get out in the workforce, they're going to need to know X, Y, and Z. We have no clue. Right? So we're talking about teaching them how to learn, how to think, how to think critically, um, how to be collaborative workers. Um, you know, there's lots of, uh, lots of buzzwords about the kinds of things that we're trying to do, the four C's, uh, in terms of um, why, we're, why we're doing school. Um, for us as Christian educators, I know the theme this year is talking about for the life of the world. Talk with a talk with a neighbor next to you and just share one thing that your school is trying to do to make that a reality. Turn to a neighbor and, and one thing that your school is trying to do to make that a reality. Thank you. 
that, that you, you kind of hit upon that you said, oh, I didn't realize somebody else was doing that, or um, that's a really interesting idea, or um, what, are, what are some of the things that were generated in terms of meeting that mission? Engaging um, other parts of the world and having kind of a more uh, global understanding of uh, what's happening from, uh, in other areas. Okay. So, how, did, like, in what would be a specific example? Did they have an example of something that they were? One of the things that they mentioned was uh, like uh, travel. Okay. So having kids experience a different kind of culture, a different world, being exposed to that. Okay. Good. Thank you. What else? We had a science teacher do like a Skype session with uh, Yosemite like park ranger so that the kids got to talk about like issues in Yosemite that they were learning in class with somebody who's actually there and I could see some stuff there. Okay, okay, great. So, and you know, these things didn't have to be technology related. This one happened to be um, the technology enabled the ability to do that, to have that conversation with an expert uh, in the field and bringing that back into the classroom. And I would imagine that for those students, um, certainly had the potential to be more engaging when you're talking to an expert who's dealing with those things in a place that, you know, they've at least heard of. Maybe they haven't visited, but they've at least heard of Yosemite, um, and then they start hearing about what are the kinds of things that, um, you know, is happening to our world uh, as a result of man's uh, misuse or abuse of it. What else? Other things that schools were doing to try to before we get quite yeah. I think just um, the emphasis on serving. On service. Whether it's um, volunteer, you know, mm-hmm. for the you know for the student themselves. Uh, in our school, we're, we're focusing more too on trying to have classroom projects that are service oriented. Whether it means going to a, a local nursing home and helping them, you know, rake up the the leaves in the fall or in the spring, or interacting with the residents, mm-hmm. um, just getting them out into the world and doing acts of service, acts of service for someone else instead of again always doing Right, because I think I think sometimes in the past we thought about preparing them for their future. Right, and and this is talking about getting them involved in that today, so that we're cultivating that that um, notion of service, of being a servant, of looking at the world and looking for places where they can make a difference, um, and trying to cultivate that within your students um, before they graduate. Right? Okay, great. How about? Um, how about in the area of uh, technology? Um, do uh, and there were a number of schools here and uh, folks here that said you've got everybody's got a device. Um, do you have how many? Well, let's do it this way. Raise your hand if you have a um, written down curriculum about how you help your students develop their digital footprint or their digital citizenship. So, have you got something working on it? Do you think that's an important piece? It's becoming more and more. More and more. We need to teach them. And so sometimes, so this, this would be one of those areas that, that for me, um, this is an area that, that if I went into a school or was working with a school, I'd be talking to them and saying, okay, what is it, what is it that we can do to, to try to help them understand these tools that they're using? And it's not just the devices that we're providing, right? Because most of them are walking around with a device like this, or they will be in a few years um, if they're younger. Um, and how do we handle that screen time? How do we handle the distraction? How do we manage um, 
the whole communication piece. Um, so it seems like that's an area um, that could use some uh, development. And I think especially as, as Christian schools, we've got even more of a responsibility in that area, right? And a calling um, to, help those, to help those students um, discover who they are, who God wants them to be, and how to do that in a responsible way with the plethora of all of these tools that we've got around us. So this is, these are my goals for our uh, time together. It's a short time together normally. Uh, this would be part of a several day workshop kind of thing. Um, I'm gonna provide some context, try to provide some context, some frameworks that you might be able to use, take back and use, um, provide some opportunities for discussion. We've already been doing that, and then provide some resources for some next steps. Um, so uh, if you were um, expecting to walk out of here with six things to do on Monday with uh, you know, Google Drive, um, probably no one, not going to happen. Um, but if you're thinking about, boy, the, that digital citizenship part or the integration piece or how are we really using these tools as more than just substitutes, uh, for what we used to do. Are we just doing electronic worksheets? We're kind of new into this. Maybe we've been only, these kids, we kids, our kids only had these devices for a couple of years and we're still trying to figure this out and we're really kind of stuck in that substitutionary mode. Um, what are some resources and things that might help us um, move beyond that? So that's, that's kind of my... Uh, my set of goals, and I hope that that matches up. If it doesn't, feel free to get up and leave. It doesn't bother me. Um, so what I'd like to do is um, one resource, if you haven't heard of it before, um, uh, how, how many are familiar with, with Common Sense? Okay, they do a whole, there's a whole section for parents, um, but they have another whole section that's for educators. And if you've never been to Common Sense, um, their website. They just have a ton of materials and resources. And I just wanted to use this, their website, as a way of, of providing some context um, into the uh, change that's taken place. Um, and we're going to move that over. So it's just commonsense.org. Um, and I thought I'd use their. Um, website where they're talking about they've been around for about 15 years so about since that time of those devices really exploding um, in our kids lives and in our own lives and uh, so they're kind of talking about what their impact is um, they started out really more on the media side of things television you know movies TV shows um, those kinds of things of trying to help empower families um, for that and then as things changed, we see this landscape where we go from 3% 18 years ago have broadband internet to 2007 where 50% did. And that was kind of that tipping point. I know for us at Holland Christian, that was, that was one of those things that we were looking at was, does everybody have access at home? If we send them home with a device, what are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to continue to use it and work on things and do homework and connect back to the, the different systems that we have in place for their homework, um, videos, and all of that sort of thing. Um, so that, that change. Um, and then I kind of like this graph. Um, if you're old enough to remember MySpace, that was the big one that we originally were dealing with when we were starting to wrestle with those issues of social media, what things do we allow, and what things don't we allow, and how do we help kids navigate those things. Um, YouTube, a couple of years later, that's actually when our one-to-one -one launched, about the same time as YouTube. Twitter launches the next year. Google Apps launches the following year. Facebook, the same, the same year. Um, anyone over 13 is able to join. It went from being just kind of this college thing that these couple guys thought of and was kind of a cool social network to just exploding. Uh, Netflix, 2007. 
Also in 2007, the first generation iPhone, right? If you want to talk about a, a world-changing piece of technology, um, I, I don't think that, uh, I think it would be tough to argue um, in our current generation um, that that wasn't the moment that things really started to change. Um, when we started putting devices um, and people started walking around with a computer in their pocket that was you know, small enough to take with them anywhere, but had the internet on that, had an email, had you know, messaging, had all these other tools, all in this little tiny device that we carried in our pocket. And then of course, we get Facebook trying to figure out how they're gonna make money, right? Um, so they open up for advertising and business. And now we know that um, you know if you're if you're on the internet, um, you might be looking for a product, but you sort of are the product that's being sold, right? Um, and I think it's helpful to understand that and help our kids understand that that um, that this whole concept of um, you know, why do they want you visiting their site? Why does Facebook keep trying to get you to come back? Why do they show you these memories of things that have happened in the past? Are they just being nice and they want to, you know, create this beautiful world for you and your extended family to keep in touch with each other? Or is it a way to draw you in, to serve you new ads and advertise more things to you um, that, uh, that they're going to try to convince you to purchase? So we talked a little bit about that. I, I kind of like this uh, quote. Um, We're conducting the world's greatest experiment on kids in real time, and we have no idea how it's going to turn out. Right? And, and we're doing that a little bit ourselves with putting these devices in their hands. It, it's a bit of an experiment. It hasn't, hasn't been done before. Um, you know, we've, we're still relatively new. We've got some schools that are in that 10 to 15 year range, but we've got a lot of schools that are in that one to two, three year range uh, or just moving into that. Okay, and then we start dealing with things like cyberbullying, right? That's a whole other issue of that digital citizenship piece, their digital footprint. Lemon. Yeah, we got too many things connected. Um, so states started adopting digital citizenship curriculum, but for the most part, if our room is any example, uh, most of that hasn't really been adopted. Um, we talk about it, um, but we but we haven't done a ton in terms of in terms of adoption. Um, Two thousand nine YouTube, one billion views per day. Uh, MySpace goes away, starts that downward decline. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten, we're starting to get a little nervous about what the stuff is doing, about the fact that our kids are being tracked at any time they're online. Parents are realizing that social networks aren't necessarily protecting kids' privacy or our own privacy. <clears throat> Thank you for snapping your fingers, whoever did that. Brought it back. Um, over time, the amount of for our kids that are from infant to eight years of age spent on mobile devices, We're just starting to see bills being introduced. Whether that'll have any impact is another question. About privacy. You know, we've got more apps than we could ever hope to know what to do with. This one surprised me. Already in 2014, the number of mobile devices outnumbered the number of people in the world. And if we think about the developed world, we've got, you know, many of us have multiple mobile devices, 
But even in the underdeveloped world, uh, the cell phone or a low-end smartphone is their device of choice. That's how they. That's how they take care of their banking. That's how they take care of everything. Uh, is done. Is done through that. Yeah, here's one of those concepts. How many, how many of you have instituted a, dev a device-free dinner at least some of the time? Right? Because we can be as guilty as the kids are of wanting to, well, I just need to know if somebody calls or if somebody texts me or I've got to be available. And that 24-7 kind of thing that, uh, that we find ourselves in, we're not necessarily doing a very good job of helping our kids understand that. All the way up to, to uh, 2017, nine hours a day with media and tech, and their parents do as well. And that's not including screen time for work, school, homework, that's a, I, I mean, it seems like a shocking statistic. Yeah, it does. It seems like it's almost impossible. 95% um, of children under 8 have access to a mobile device at home. A third of our internet users are kids and teens. Hey, that whole addiction. And then blurring the lines between, you know, what's real. This, this is real, we're in this space together, but we've got things like augmented reality and virtual reality and other kinds of things that are coming down the pipe um, that we're going to be having to deal with and think about. So anyway, just some context. And then I thought uh, this was a, uh, uh, a good little ad that kind of highlighted it. <coughs>
can share, I can share two of two of mine. Um, one of mine that I think is is great and is fairly recent um, is is my Apple Watch. And the fitness part of that, even though I may not look like the most fit person in the world, I think I would be much less fit if it weren't for my Apple Watch reminding me, hey, if you just take a brisk six-minute walk, you're going to accomplish your move goal for today. Or it's time to stand up. Or it's time to do some breathing exercises. Or it's time to do that. That's, to me, that's that's fantastic. Um, the... Uh, the one that the one that I, I probably struggle with the most um, would be would be Facebook because I just don't know how to wrap my head around it. I, I, I like Facebook for the for the fact that we can keep up with friends and family. I just um, became a uh, grandparent for the third time, um, and so seeing those pictures and seeing those postings. Um, but then on the other side of it, I see the um, the how we kind of shelter, put ourselves within the circles of all the people we agree with, um, and so we don't hear any outside voices, and so all the all the information that we're seeing and things that our friends and family are posting um, generally are things that maybe we tend to agree with, and we get in this little bubble of this is our own world, and then there's another group of people, and they have their bubble with their things that they believe, and there's very little dialogue between the two, and I think that's been a great separator, and it hasn't been something that's brought brought that together. Uh, the other part about that is I always feel guilty every time I go on a trip. Um, my job and my wife's job gives us the flexibility that she travels a lot for work and sometimes I go with her and sometimes uh, we earn points and so we'll go someplace um, and I find that I'm posting stuff when I'm on these trips doing these really fun things and then the mundane sort of normal stuff I don't talk about. So I'm always putting this is my best self, right? Uh, talking about necessarily when things are hard or I'm having problems. And so even just that own honesty about who I am as a person in Christ, um, thinking about that. So here are some of the companies that we have to deal with, whether we want to or don't want to. Um, if we think about... Um, all the security breaches that have gone on, the last election cycle with Facebook, with all the Twitter bots that were out there posing as people, uh, promoting news that was not true. Um, uh, you know, Google saying that, you know, yeah, we respect your privacy and we don't capture these certain things. And then a week later, later they say, oh, I guess, yeah, well, we do do that. Um, and, and so those are all those kinds of things. Um, you know, Apple has been very, worked very hard to try to promote privacy, but that comes at the expense of when law enforcement wants to track down a criminal and they want to get access to data that happens to be on a device that was made by Apple. And Apple says, that's, we don't have any access to that. The, the keys are, 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 the, are the owner's keys, and, and we don't have any access and way to, to do that. And the government says, we'd like a backdoor to that. And other people worry, well, if the good guys have a backdoor, how long will it be before the bad guys have the backdoor? So these are all of these kinds of things that we're wrestling with, and how are we helping our kids think about that and wrestle with that? And is it... Is it that we just don't talk about it, or uh, it's sites and services that we block and we don't allow access to um, because it's a distraction during the school day? Um, you know, it just brings up a lot of questions about how we handle those kinds of things. So let's talk about the technology side of things and the teaching and learning. Um, when we talk about technology integration, which, um, boy, I feel like I'm competing with that. And I have no beat or rhythm, so I'm just not even going to try. Um, if we look up integrate, one of the things 
that for me um, that I like to look at is this to form or coordinate or blend into a functioning unified whole. It's not separate things that are kind of layered on top of each other, um, but it's things that are brought together into a functional whole. And um, what uh, we've got probably got some people here who integrate is part of their job description, right? A technology integration specialist, right? Um, how do we how do we do that in a way that really makes for a functioning whole. And so we're going to look at a couple different uh, frameworks. If I stop touching things. Uh, one of them, how many have heard of TPAC before? A couple of you? Okay, here's a, here's a quick... description of it. You're a teacher ready to tap students into 21st century learning. But teaching with technology adds a whole new layer of knowledge and expertise. TPAC, or Technological Pedagogical Content Knowledge, is a framework that helps teachers consider how their knowledge domains intersect in order to effectively teach and engage students with technology. It's an approach that looks at the combination of what teachers know, how they teach, and the role of technology in order to better impact student learning. So, how does TPAC work? First, consider three domains, content knowledge, pedagogical knowledge, and technological knowledge. Content knowledge, CK, is the what, your understanding and expertise of the subject area you teach, whether it's science, social studies, math, language arts, or all of the core curricular areas. CK is made up of all the facts, concepts, and theories of any given discipline. Pedagogical knowledge, PK, is the how, your expert knowledge of the art and science of teaching. From learning theories to instructional design, PK includes methods of teaching and assessment, like project-based learning, as well as instructional strategies like think-pair-share. Knowledge of these principles helps you design successful learning experiences for each individual student. Pedagogical content knowledge, or PCK, is the intersection of the pedagogical and content areas. The knowledge you have of how to effectively engage students in learning concepts and skills. This knowledge includes approaches for addressing different learning styles and scaffolding content for deeper understanding. Educational psychologist Lee Shulman saw this intersection as teaching at its best. But several scholars, including Matthew Kohler and Udya Mishra, have added an additional component to 21st century teaching, technological knowledge, or TK. TK represents your knowledge about the tools including how to select, use, and integrate technology into your curriculum. But it's not just about the devices. It's also the quality of content that students access through apps, websites, and games for learning. By integrating technology into PCK, you now have new insights into and opportunities for student learning. Technological content knowledge, or TCK, refers to how technology is used in a subject area for deep and lasting learning. For instance, to further their understanding of a topic, budding scientists can use sophisticated tools to collect evidence, make observations, and document findings. Interactive software then allows them to see their data represented in various ways. Application of such technologies can help deepen individual students' inquiry within a given discipline. Technological Pedagogical Knowledge, or TPK, is your understanding of how to choose and manage technology for your students. For instance, what technology will best ease your students' workflow throughout their exploration of the scientific method? How can you use collaboration tools to have students share their learning with each other? This knowledge about technology will advance your teaching. The intersection of all three knowledge domains, content, pedagogy, and technology, is the core of TPAC. This center area refers to your understanding of how tools can enhance your teaching and support student learning more deeply and effectively. For example, when learning about water pollution, students could explore 3D models of bacteria's cellular structure and then create their own animated images to analyze local water sources. They then could share their findings virtually with a prominent field expert. This dynamic interplay of all three components is TPAC, the heart of innovative teaching. 
You can use the TPAC framework to assess your own knowledge of content, pedagogy, and technology. Consider which areas you feel confident about and which areas you can improve upon. But also think about how you can collaborate with others at your school or in your professional learning communities to combine your strengths. For example, you could meet with your technology coordinator to brainstorm ways to redesign learning experiences. And knowing that each student, each teacher, and each classroom differs, the dotted line around the framework symbolizes the context that affects how TPAC is applied in a practical sense. TPAC takes into account that every classroom context is unique due to variations in professional development, school climate, and available resources. In conclusion, TPAC will help you remember to start with your content and pedagogy, and then layer in technology. Sometimes we get excited about a new technology, and then we design a lesson around that particular tool. But in doing so, it's easy to lose sight of goals and objectives for student learning. TPAC reminds us that technology is just part of great teaching. It's truly an intricate combination of content, pedagogy, and technology that make for innovative teaching and learning. So, what does your TPAC look like? Okay, so that's one model um, that, uh, that some folks like to refer to. Um, this is another one that I got from some friends in Canada. Uh, they like to look at it as they, they have the, the pedagogy, the content area, but for them, it's connected relationships. That's where they would put their third most important uh, piece. And then around that, the context is the environment. And the technology is a piece of that. Space is a piece of that. Furniture, uh, learning spaces um, are parts of that as well. How many are familiar with the SAMR model? A few of you? Okay. So... This is the one where we talk about going, starting at a, at a level where you're, you're substituting something that you did before, you're now using technology, it's the same as it used to be, okay? Augmentation, um, there might be some improvement, like for example, writing a paper, I'm using Google Docs now, and maybe I've got some editing, or I can share it, or I can interact and, and have a peer do some review. Um, so there's some additional improvement, uh, makes it better and more effective. Then we start moving into modification and redefinition. And this is where we really start to see the change in what's happening within the classroom. Um, those lessons wouldn't be able to happen without the technology. The technology uh, extends or develops that learning. Um, you've got much more of a, of a teacher kind of doing the work up here, much more with student-centered down toward the bottom. Uh, there's a good video uh, that kind of goes through that, but I'm going to skip over that for um, the sense of time. Um, but I will give you uh, access to that in the resources. Um, so meaningful learning environments, according to um, these authors who did a lot of research, they need to be active, constructive, goal-directed, authentic, and collaborative. And if we think about technology, technology allows us to do a lot of those different pieces. Uh, so we can be active in our learning. We can be constructive in our learning. We can be goal-directed, having something that we're trying to work towards, build. Um, that authentic authenticness that we talked about, um, whether it's a brand or whether it's bringing in an expert, um, brings in that authenticity. And then looking at collaboration. How do we use those tools to help our students uh, collaborate and not, as my wife uh, sometimes calls it, collab, uh, collaborate. Right? Where it, 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 so it's a skill. It, it's not something that they just know how to do uh, in and of themselves. So this is another, another kind of, a, of a, a framework for how do we change teaching and learning and talking about the different pieces that go into that. Uh, this is from a, a website called edsurge.com, and that's in the resources that uh, we'll be looking at in just a second. Um, but again, it's, it's talking about why do we want to do this, how do we do it, 
what are, how do we scale those things? What are the pieces that we need to have in place? Um, and I thought that was just a good uh, visual way of seeing that, uh, especially for maybe for some of you who are kind of starting out and starting down that path, what are some of those pieces maybe that you haven't thought about or haven't put um, in place? And then um, I want to uh, remind you that uh, um, there's naysayers out there, and uh, sometimes we do have to listen to what they, what they have to say. Uh, and I've got a little clip that kind of highlights that. <laughs> if I can get it done. Common Sense Media talked about that one. Um, 
You know, we didn't get time to talk about learning spaces and, and how a space um, can be a, a, an asset in terms of creating that environment. Um, but hopefully these resources will be, give you some tools um, and feel free to connect with me. Um, I've got business cards up here. I'd be happy to talk to you. If you've got questions about things, um, feel free to, to reach out. Um, I love to talk and see what's going on or stop by and visit your school um, and just have a conversation with you. So uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up at our time I think has uh, expired. Any, any quick questions that folks have? Can you go back to the screen that had the URL? Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Yep. It's just uh, bitly.cea.next. Um, All right, let's thank Tim once again for speaking with us.